Hey, here we go. Another day, another episode, another rambling. It is, just up to the date, it's Tuesday, May 5th, 2020, and I'm returning indoors to record this today. It is a nice day out. However, I think I can get too rambling. I can enter into a pattern of rambling on when I'm walking, which may be somewhat difficult to siphon through at a later date. So we're turning inside to record this and let's see. So current status of my Sharpest Minds project is we have figured out how to, or at least created a proof of concept around automating or automating the vast majority of gathering data. Everything seems to be working. Um, It still needs the Python script still needs to be manually run, right? So we need to call or call the Python command to run that script, to execute that script. And um, that's the only thing, which is good. And uh, maybe some increased functionality there would be to select which days you want to download as well. Because if you're already caught up, you can, we don't have all the historical data yet. So that could be something worth looking into. Additionally, looking into other means on how to speed up the data ingestion process. Because at the moment, by my estimates, it takes two and a half to three hours to gather a day's worth of Twitter data, which is an improvement from the original methods that we are using, but it does not, or still presents a bottleneck of sorts. So this goes without saying that the primary objective for this week is to have this pipeline working. So essentially, Um, The data ingestion, we've iterated to version two, and it ideally speeds up the ingestion of the tweets. And, And this is in addition to we have developed some functions. Primarily at this point, it looks like we'll be using regular expressions. That'll be the primary means by which we can do this to determine narrative, potential narratives in a tweet. So there are a plethora of narratives that are being pushed around misinformation related to COVID-19. And 
it's even been called an infodemic, right? Because there's so much information with the vast majority of it being false or misleading that in today's ecosystem, technological ecosystem, that bad information can then be amplified very, very quickly, particularly if it plays upon emotions. So that being said, this takes us to the root of the objective, which is to compile an initial narrative list of all the misinformation related to COVID-19. So there are some reliable sources that by my estimation capture a good chunk of the narratives. And more importantly, they, they relay information about the, because there are tiers of narratives. There are, there's an higher uh, hierarchy of sorts, right? Because some narratives are going to be pushed harder and have higher consequences. Um, I mean, one such example is the narrative that is being pushed by Chinese state media about China's role in this and that they are championing a, a narrative that is that shows China in a positive light to the international, um, to internationally. Well, that's not necessarily misinformation itself. I mean, in, there are aspects of misinformation, but this, it just goes to show is the narratives that have a disproportionate effect or are, being pushed to a disproportionate amount of people, right? So when you look at the Chinese state's Twitter presence, they have a significant following. So the content that is being pushed out there is likely to be seen by a lot of people. So it's essentially propaganda if you look at it. So there's that. So we need to address those, or there's this, according to this hierarchy, we need to put more emphasis on capturing the narratives that are going to have a disproportionate effect. This does not mean that we exclude narratives. It just means that we need to identify the most pressing first. And this actually is going to take a gun is going to need to take a proactive approach because actors in this space are continually having to adapt and evolve to situations that arise. So things are going to be in flux. A narrative that is popular one day or is being pushed heavily one day will be forgotten about the next. But this is the interesting thing with disinformation is that disinformation used does not mean that it cannot be used again in a slightly different form. Disinformation has an interesting nature in that, and this is from my readings of, uh, let's see, Thomas Ridd, I believe. Let's see, active measures. Yes, Thomas Ridd. He is a 
renowned expert on technology and national security. In, in his book, Active Measures, which examines the history of disinformation, a lot of the trends that I've seen, particularly when it came to the KGB specifically, was that they would um, not be afraid, in a sense, to recycle old information. It actually is rather intriguing or rather fascinating their ability to track these campaigns, right? Almost like a marketing company is going to track a campaign for a, for a client, right? It's going to track how successful this campaign is and by and large, if it drives value for this company and that's what the client wants. So disinformation in a sense is similar to, to marketing is they're going to track the effectiveness. Now, determining effectiveness is diff can be difficult and as Rid has said, sometimes the exact numbers were glorified or were elevated um, by the KGB or those within it. This is only natural because they needed to, it's in a way that it takes money to conduct these campaigns and they need money from somebody. So the KGB understood that they have to show an elevated level of that. Will they elevate the level of value that they're getting or that they're giving to the state? They are more likely to get more money for more campaigns for their existence. So it's, it's kind of in a way, in a sixth sense, uh, uh, self, not self-reliance, but, a reliance on the state for funding, which is something that no government, no matter if it's socialist or communist or um, a republic, right, a democracy, is there is always going to be entities that need money. So that help with the functioning of society. Some of them are more nefarious than others, but by and large, they are all suckling at the teat of government, um, at the taxes that are paid. So that being said, we need to make sure that this list of narratives is, is as exhaustive as possible while putting more emphasis on the disproportionate narratives or the, the narratives that can have a disproportionate effect. And then once we have that, we can start looking for examples of tweets that indicate or that may be potential. I'm getting ahead of myself. Before that, before we get the tweets, we need to establish a ground truth. And this is where things get tricky because this is where I need to determine the level of confidence that I have that a narrative is kind of set in stone, right? The narrative has been disproven. And 
one such thing that has kind of captured my attention recently is the the narrative that it came out of a lab in Wuhan. And now I'm not going to comment on it, my personal, I guess, understanding of it at this point, because I don't feel like it is well formulated. However, from my observations of the narratives or the stories or the content that is being pushed out around this Wuhan lab origination is that it is, uh, there's a lot of conflict going on. And this conflict isn't being necessarily pushed by conspiracy theorists either. It's being, from what I've seen, individuals whose opinions I weigh more heavily or whose opinions I view as more credible. I guess that's a better way to put it. Now, that being said, you need to determine the ground truths. And you need to account for ground truths that haven't been well established. So if something, if you do not feel it needs to reach a certain level of confidence, and this is going to take having to research each narrative. Now, this will be somewhat time consuming. So I need to split it up amongst all the days and not focus on it any, on it any day, like focus disproportionately on it on any one day. I need to uh, establish a certain amount of time that I work on it each day. So I think uh, one of the, a good way to orient this is it is something that, I could do methodically. So thus it is something that I should do at a point in time where my mental, excuse me, concentration at, is at a low. So that being said, I need to accommodate accordingly. The more high, this brings me to my next task, which is setting up my environment. So what I need to do is to figure out how to integrate the data gathering script into my repo because I, I need to keep things condensed. I need to keep things focused. I can't have them getting out of hand and having so many working or moving parts. That is where things get difficult to manage. So I believe the best strategy there is to keep that Google Cloud Compute instance that I have um, dedicated to the data gathering to um, clone the master. I could do that today before I create a new branch, I believe. Um, yeah, do I don't, I don't think I necessarily need it because I'm just running. I don't need it. Well, I do need to eventually 
upload it to master or commit it to master. Maybe I should commit that to master now. <clears throat> okay, I need to, and then I need to address the working with different paths too. So paths to particular data, and I need to fix that. So, because I have, I believe I have a large component of it going according to the current working directory, which I need to figure out how to more efficiently use that, set that up so it's more interchangeable. That'll be interesting. And then let's see what else I have. Let's see. So I also need to continue to study Andrew Ng's intro to ML. I need to keep going through those notebooks. I also need to figure out a way to better study these concepts and get better in terms of the interviewing knowledge because my theoretical knowledge right now is lackluster. I need to gain a better understanding into the mathematics of machine learning into things like gradient descent. I need to be able to relay those as best as I can in as condensed form as I can without excluding any relevant information. I'm nowhere near the level that I need to be. So I need to take that more seriously because this is not, this isn't, this isn't, don't view it as something that you need to know. It is something you need to know, but you need, it is, you, it, it comes down to the habit of exploration. If I, this is something that is going to tell me something about the world. This is a component. This is a tool that I can use to examine a certain process in the world and potentially predict it. This, this is a, a, a critical component, something like gradient descent. In mathematics in general, everything, I mean, physics and mathematics are largely the root of not to get too meta here, but they, they are how they give the story of how everything works, right? They explain the events of the universe. So that is what you're seeking. You're seeking to understand how events unfold in the universe. This isn't just to figure out how a machine learning model works. You need to rephrase that. This is all knowledge to give you a better understanding of the world. And you need to understand that you are naive as shit. You do not understand anything. You may think you do, but there are a lot of things. And that may be true for some, some things. You may understand them at a deeper level. But you do not understand even, you have not even scratched the surface of understanding the world. 
I mean, it could be argued that it's hard to comprehend the world as it is because it's so utterly complex. But that does not mean that we should not strive to understand as much of it as possible. Because to understand more and to be able to update those weights of our biases, of our cognitive inadequacies to weights that are more aligned with how nature works, why wouldn't we do that? Why shouldn't we do that? That should be the ultimate goal for everybody. It is a goal of mine because through a better understanding of the world, we can gain a better understanding of ourselves. And it's and it works in reverse too. Our a better understanding of ourselves can help us better understand the world. It's a circle, right? They're not mutually exclusive. So research and explore. View everything as that. This isn't about acquiring knowledge for the sake of hoping that it brings you validation from others. That is the lowliest thing that you can want. To be sure, validation from others isn't useless. It is necessary. It is a part of our condition as humans. There's nothing wrong with being proud of validation, I guess you could say. I'm almost sounding hypocritical here. But I think where, the, where you distinguish things is that it is not, it is a pleasant surprise versus a necessary prerequisite. To do something is not to do it for the need or the, the perceived attention that you get from achieving a goal. A goal is from the inward value that you gain through increased knowledge of the world around you. It is being able to properly assess not only one's strengths, but one's weaknesses as well, and understand how those weaknesses work or how those weaknesses affect your life, but how that you can then turn those weaknesses into strengths because that is the process of gaining greater understanding. So as a review for today, first thing I'll focus on is I'm going to study Andrew Ng's intro to ML. Then additionally, as like a side side note, well, I should probably wait till after I do this. I need to figure out how to clone the repository and then to gather data uh, via relocating a script in the repo and calling the command then.
So that's going to take some reconfiguring of paths and things along those lines. So it's probably best to use a Jupyter notebook for first exploring and then implement, implementing any updates. And then once you have a notebook that appears to work, that way, then you can go ahead and add it to the script. Don't do anything to the script. Keep it as original. Running, doing, or transferring over the functions, the various functions over to a Jupyter Notebook gives you the ability to focus on the subcomponents to make sure they're all, all of, all of them are working before you combine it into a whole. And then you can address any discrepancies there. So we need to reconfigure that, get data working. After that, then you can pull data from the 30th of April because that's the Panacea Lab's most recent update. That is the only date that you haven't received yet. And then you need to spend some time researching narratives around misinformation. And then you can close out your day by listing your accomplishments, listing what you did for that day, and then giving some thought to what you need to do tomorrow. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. We need to put in the work first. So first thing first, I'll send that. This is another thing I've been said is I'll send the daily stand up to Ryan. And then the rest can go from there. So that being said, I think we're good to go for today. Need to put this in writing now. So time to get to work until tomorrow I'll feed us in <laughs>